You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Franklin's weekly press conference will start with an opening statement from Coach, and then we'll open it up to questions. Coach? Yeah, so like always, appreciate you guys coming out, cover uh, Penn State football. Appreciate it, really do. Um, obviously, we got homecoming this weekend, which is always a cool deal. I think it's 103rd. I, th- I think I read the 103rd homecoming game. Um, our fans have been awesome all year long. We're averaging 110,000. Uh, let's do that again this week. Let's pack this place. Uh, have it rocking. Uh, use your tickets. If you're not going to use your tickets, find somebody to use your tickets. And let's have this place rocking again. Um, I did want to give uh, one of our guys some love because I don't think he's getting enough uh, attention for how well he is playing. It really started in training camp and has continued, and that is Johnny Dixon. I think Johnny is is playing really good football. I think we have two corners, um, and we have more than that, but two corners, and specifically Johnny and and Kalen, uh, that are tough guys and that are physical at that position, which is less common now than it used to be. Um, and they do a really good job in a lot of different ways, not just defending the pass. Johnny's a great blitzer, um, and then also supporting the run. Um, so I wanted to give him some love because it's deserved. Um, from a UMass perspective, Don Brown, the head coach, you know, I go way back with Don. Don was the defensive coordinator at Maryland when I was the offensive coordinator. Uh, so we got history, obviously been at Michigan and a ton of other places as well, well-respected uh, head coach as well as defensive coordinator. When you talk about kind of getting into some of the specifics. Their offensive coordinator we've been impressed with, um, Steve Kasula, I think is how you say his name. Um, Steve's doing a a really nice job for him. We've been impressed with them on offense. They're an 11 personnel, uh, no huddle, spread, heavy, heavy RPO team. Um, Maybe the most explosive team we've played this year, if you look at them statistically, they're number two in, um, in major college football of plays of 50 yards or more. Uh, they're ranked number two in the country. Um, plays of 10 yards or more, they're ranked ninth in the country. So this is an explosive team. Uh, we feel like they're skill players. Um, you know, I think they got 43 transfers, if I'm, if I'm correct there. Um, we think their skill players on offense would start for a lot of people. Uh, wide receiver Anthony Simpson is an Arizona transfer. We've been impressed with him, 17 yards per reception. Uh, running back number 15, uh, Lynch Adams is a Rutgers transfer. He's averaging over five yards per carry. Uh, and then their quarterback, who we recruited heavily out of high school, um, Tyson Pumachan, um, was at Clemson, was at Georgia Tech, and is now at uh, is now at uh, UMass. Is completing almost 66% of his passes uh, and doing some really nice things. So, you know, these guys have got our attention, um, and and specifically on the offensive side of the ball, I think are doing a great job. 
Defensive coordinator, uh, Keith Dzinski, who I've known for a long time as well. Um, Keith's been tied with, with Coach Brown for a long time. I think Coach Brown, uh, I don't mean this with, with any disrespect to anybody, um, but I think Coach Brown is calling the defense. I could be wrong there, but either way, those two guys have been um, you know, really connected for a long time. I got a ton of respect for Keith and Don, both as, as defensive minds. Um, guys that we've been impressed with is D-tackle number 42, um, uh, Billy Wooden, who's a big kid from Towson, Maryland, 6'3", 310. Uh, defensive tackle number 56, Cletus uh, Mathurin, uh, who's, uh, who's from Hartford, Connecticut. He's another D-tackle, over 300 pounds. They got a defensive end named Marcus Bradley, who we recruited pretty heavily out of high school from Gaithersburg. Uh, went to Vanderbilt originally and then transferred uh, transferred to, to uh, UMass. Um, he's a six foot three, two hundred and sixty pound disruptive player. And then their safety number twenty one, um, uh, Teray Powell, uh, is from New Jersey. Uh, they're the guys that we have a respect for. And then special teams Ben Albert, who I've also known for a very very long time. Uh, ben is their special teams coordinator. Is also um, you know defensive line guy, strong defensive line background. Uh, was at Boston College for a long time, Duke for a long time, uh, been in the NFL. Uh, we've been impressed with their number one, their punt returner, Isaac Ross. He's another transfer, uh, but also doing some really good things in the return game. Uh, no real changes from a depth chart perspective that, that we need to discuss. Uh, and I'll open up the questions. All right, let's go to Rich Garcella with the Reading Eagle, and then Mike Gross, you're on deck. Good afternoon, James. How are you? Good, Rich. How are you, man? I'm well, thanks. James, what did you want to get accomplished during the bye week? And I was wondering, how have you changed, how have you, the way you've handled bye weeks changed over the years, or has it changed? Well, I think a couple things. Uh, bye week, probably number one is self-scout, kind of looking at yourself, um, what you're doing well, what you need to do better, what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are. But then we also did it across the ball. We had the defense uh, evaluate the offense, the offense evaluate the defense, and then all of us really on special teams. Uh, so that was valuable. Um, and then obviously practice enough um, that we can stay sharp and get enough full speed, good on good periods. Uh, which are really valuable, uh, but you know, also not too much that we have a chance to to recover and get fresh and get healthy for the second half of the year. Um, so, kind of a combination of those things. I thought we were able to do that. We practiced on Sunday. We practiced on Tuesday and Wednesday, more traditional type practices for us. And then Thursday was a, um, a coordinator and GA practice, which was more of a jog through. And then, obviously, a ton of recruiting. Um, I think I started in Connecticut, then went to North Carolina, then went to Florida, then went to New Jersey, then went to Massachusetts, uh, if I'm remembering that correctly. Uh, got a ton of work there done. Uh, excuse me, got a ton of work. Uh, you know, in recruiting done. Uh, so that was valuable, and so did the rest of the staff. And then obviously back in for, I, I wouldn't necessarily call it a traditional Sunday practice, um, 
because we didn't have the previous film to review. So we were able to, you know, kind of get ahead. Uh, and then obviously, you know, with, with, you know, our staff changes over the last couple of years, um, we have personnel that are able to do uh, other projects for us as well, um, you know, which, which is also valuable. So, you know, there's strength in those numbers and, and not just numbers, but guys that have tremendous experience and tremendous resumes uh, that are able to get some projects done for us. So I think we got a lot done. Really, the differences uh, probably from um, you know my time at Vanderbilt and then my time when I first got to Penn State is just how the staffs have changed. Uh, we have we have more staff as well as we have um, the staff that we do have. You know, I would say is more experienced across the board. We've always had some experienced guys. We've been fortunate guys like Jim Hazlitt and things like that. So we've had some good experience, but I just think we have more guys. Uh, with experience that really can can give give us some good information and, and get some work done on their own. So um, it was valuable. And then the players were able to get some time off, and a lot of them were able to get home and see family and go to high school football games and enjoy themselves. So productive, but you know now we got to we got to get back to work. Let's go to Mike Gross and then Donnie Collins. You're on deck. Good afternoon, James. How are you? Good, Mike. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Uh, you uh, you kind of anticipated with your comments on Johnny uh, part of my question, but uh, could you talk a little bit about how having having two corners, and I know you have more than two, but having let's just say have corners that you can trust to sort of handle their business, how that sort of has a snowball effect in terms of what Manny can do defensively and just the overall uh, defense. Yeah, I think if you look at college football and really the NFL, I think it starts at corner and defensive line. Those two positions are are, are critical to how you want to play defense and really what uh, what you're able to do defensively. A lot of those things are, are predicated on those two positions. So um, having two corners where I think they are unusual um, is – they check a lot of boxes. You know, you, a lot of times you'll have guys that are really good in coverage, but maybe they don't want to tackle, or uh, you know, maybe they're they're you know really good in coverage, but they're not great blitzers. You know, these guys do a lot of things, and then not only that, they're they're big guys. Um, you know, they're you know they're guys that can mix it up in there and and defeat stalk blocks, um, whether it's Kalen, how quickly he triggers on perimeter players or or whether it's Johnny being able to defeat guys with his hands and techniques and fundamentals. Um, and then their ability to make plays on the ball and be able to run with people. So, um, yeah, those, those guys have been, I think, a big part of our defensive success. Obviously, Terry Smith's done a great job. We've talked about him. Um, and then I think the combination of them covering – to allow us to to get home in, in some of our sacks because the quarterback's got to hold on to the ball by taking away, you know, maybe his first option. Um, that helps that helps our defensive line and then vice versa. You know, the better we rush the passer, uh, the, you know, the less time that we have to, to be in man-to-man coverage when we decide to play man-to-man. So um, I think it really starts with those two positions, but, you know, specifically the two corners that you mentioned. 
Let's go to Donnie Collins and then Johnny McGonigal. You're on deck. How are we doing, James? How are we doing? Good. Um, You've always spoken well of your relationship with with Don Brown, and and I'm wondering how he kind of affected you as a a coach, as as an offensive coordinator back then. You were a younger coach at that point. Um, Did you do a lot of the the stuff you talk about today with scouting the defense and scouting the offense back and forth? And and, and what did he kind of teach you about uh, that kind of element of coaching? Yeah, you know, I, it's it's funny because I think it's it's both, right? Um, you know, I think for all of us, whether it's coaching or any other profession, you know, you learn from um, a lot of the good experiences you've had, and you also learn from things that that you would do differently. Um, and Don did a really good job of getting the defense to understand his system, to buy into his system and play extremely hard. Uh, the other thing that I learned on the other end of the spectrum, and I, and I mean this in terms of as a head coach, uh, is Don has always run an unorthodox system. And as a head coach, I got a very structured uh, way of the way we install and the way we teach. And a lot of that comes from Don, to be honest with you. Um, you know, when you're trying to install a defense or when you're trying to install an offense, I don't allow the offense when we're doing install during spring ball or training camp um, that Manny's got to teach his defense and then also he could get empty, he could get unbalanced, he could get motions and shifts. We don't do that. So it's like on this day you're going to get this from the offense and on this day you're going to get this from the defense. And, and that was always a challenge with Don because um, Don, that, that is his base. It's like, okay, we're trying to run it against a base defense. Well, he doesn't really have a traditional base. Um, so, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, how he did such a marvelous job of getting his guys to buy into his system and play extremely hard and, and have a lot of confidence within the system, he does a phenomenal job, as good as I've been around with that. Um, but then also, you know, in terms of how we structure practice and how we build, um, you know, making sure that the offense and defense, um, you know, is doing it in a way that allows both sides to kind of build a foundation and, and go from there. So um, got a ton of respect for them. You know, this, this Saturday there'll be some challenging looks that we'll get, um, you know, but, but to be honest with you, that's, that's a big part of, of how we do things here is based on some of the challenges that he presented as a, as a defensive coordinator when I was a young offensive coordinator. Let's go to Johnny McGonigal and then Ben Jones, you're on deck. Hey, James, how are you? Good, how are you? Good, good. So, James, last month you, know, you were asked about scheduling teams like Delaware, and you said there was a pretty good, you know, pretty good data uh, to, you know, to suggest that scheduling like that in the non-conference helps teams win championships and get to the playoff. Um, I'm curious, though, do you see that approach to non-con scheduling changing or staying the same you know, with a 12-team playoff arriving soon? You know, It seems like there are points to be made on both sides of that. Yeah, I, I would say there's 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 a team in this conference specifically that's buying out of a ton of game contracts that are already signed uh, to go in in the complete opposite direction. So um, 
no, I, I don't, I don't think it's, it's changed. It's, I would say you could even make the argument it's magnified and that's why people are, are, are changing their schedules because, um, you know, you look at, you look at who people are going to have to play just in our conference. Um, it, it's going to be even more challenging than it's, than it's ever been. So, um, I, I don't. I don't think you know the philosophy or the model uh, has changed. You got to do whatever you possibly can to give yourself a chance. Number one, to be undefeated at the end of the season. Um, to your point, with a bigger playoff, there's probably a little bit more wiggle room in terms of right now. It's it's kind of you know undefeated or at the most one loss, um, and then on top of that. Um, you know, if you're not scheduling to be undefeated, you're scheduling to have as least as many losses as possible to give yourself a chance to be in the playoffs. Um, you know, there's another team in this conference um, that has had a ton of success the last couple of years. And again, I, th I think it would follow the same argument. So, um, so no, I, I, don't, I don't think so. And from the ADs and head coaches and people I've talked to, um, if, if anything, I think it, it magnifies it even more. Let's go to Mark Wogenrich and then Frank Bodani. You're on deck. Hello? Mark? Sorry. Got me now? Yeah. Sorry, Greg. Sorry. The teams, you know, just following up on that, the teams you just discussed in the Big Ten, is that a reaction? to expansion and 12-team playoff? And is that the model that you want to pursue? Or is that just something that they're doing on their own? I, I'm not sure what you're asking. I, be specific. You said you're... there's te a team in the conference buying out game contracts. I assume that means non-conference game contracts in the future. Yes, sir. Is that a model that you would follow, or are you not working that way? And is that a response to expansion in the Big Ten? Yeah, I think that's a response to expansion in the Big Ten. Um, in terms of, of the model that, that we're using here at Penn State and we're discussing, I don't, I don't think the, the model has changed. Um, I think I've been pretty clear on, on, on where we should you know, um, schedule and how we should schedule ph philosophically. And again, I think the data backs that up, um, you know, I, I think this actually got brought up because people, somebody else was asking about our schedule. Um, um, I'll leave it at that. Um, but no, you know, I'm just, I'm just stating some, I can't necessarily speak for what they're doing and why they're doing it and how they're doing it. Cause I don't sit in those meetings. Um, but, but I, but I, if I had to guess, I would say, yeah, it's, it's probably, um, I don't know if I describe it as a reaction, but but a, a strategy. Let's go to Frank Bodani and then Corey Geiger. You're on deck. Hey, good afternoon, James. Good. How are you? Real good, thanks. Drew Aller has not turned the ball over yet in not just this season, but his career at Penn State. Can you speak specifically to his decision making, his ability to protect the football? Is he? further along in some of those areas than you could have imagined with his experience. Yeah, I don't want to talk about it a whole lot, to be honest with you. Um, but, yeah, he's, he's doing a really good job from a decision-making 
perspective. Uh, I think from an accuracy perspective, uh, with an understanding of the offense, one of the things I thought was most exciting, you know, in the last game was his ability, Mike's ability to call shots down the field, and if the if the underneath coverage sinks, taking checkdowns. Um, that's extremely valuable as a play caller when you have a quarterback that will allow you to call shots, not force the ball down the field, and take take the back as a check down. And still, I think in some of those, create explosive plays. Um, so I think all those things kind of factor into it. I think the biggest thing is kind of like what we've talked about before um, is his poise. A lot of times you know, turnovers go hand in hand with guys that are panicking um, in the pocket or in decision making uh, that force you into a bad decision. Uh, one of the things I think we're doing a better job, not only in games, but also in practice is throwing the ball away. Like you can't sit here and say, we're going to throw the ball away in games and never do it in practice. You got to you got to throw the ball away in practice, and and sometimes that's the best decision that you can make. Um, I think he's also shown the ability that when he does get pressure, that he knows where the outlets are, where the running backs are, where the tight ends are, and so soon as he makes a sudden movement to to avoid pressure, he's trying to get it to the back, and I think that's that's really valuable as well. So. Um, all things that, that we take a lot of pride in and that we're building on, but I also think that goes with the offensive line and protecting him in his blind side. That's the running backs in protection. Um, you know, that's the fundamentals of two hands on the ball in the pocket. It's, it's all those things. Last question from Zoom, Corey Geiger. Hey, good afternoon, James. Hey, Corey. A follow-up to what uh, you were just asked there about Drew. Is there a balance, though, between, hey, we need you to throw the ball deep no matter – just take a shot. Don't don't overthink it. Take a shot. We need to see it. We're going to call it, and, and we need you to get some confidence in doing this as opposed to even giving a young quarterback the chance to say, hey, just check it down if, if, if it's not there. I, I don't really – understand what you're saying because we would never like I'm like my skin is curling when you say just drop back and chuck it deep no matter what like like that is like I, I don't even know what you're I don't know what you're saying it's like you're speaking like from just Mars. send the guy on a post pattern take the shot throw it no matter your, what give your receiver a chance to make a play on a ball uh, even if he might be covered 30 yards down the field Maybe you think he'll be open 45 yards down the field and, and like Godwin did or with Jahan or KJ. We, you, we've you, we, like, like, I still don't like you're speaking Japanese. Like, like we, we have never done that. Just throw the ball up and maybe he'll be open and maybe he'll catch. Like my skin is like, like, my, I'm, I'm, like you're making me uncomfortable. Like I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. So okay. yeah, we 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 would not do that. We would never do that. We've never thought about doing that as a head coach, as an offensive coordinator, as a receivers coach. I coached the receivers. I didn't want them to do that. Um, so no, no, strong no. Like yeah, no. I'm hoping we can cut this out so this doesn't even, like, get out into the universe. 
All right, please raise your hand and we'll bring a mic to you. We'll start with Mark over here. Rich's question earlier, where are you guys big picture wise from a health perspective coming out of the bye? And if I could ask you specifically about one guy, uh, JB, anything you can tell us about him? Thank you. Yeah, nothing has changed with JB in terms of kind of how we normally discuss um, injuries and things like that. Nothing is nothing is changed there. Um, in terms of, of health, I think I think we're in pretty good place from the things that we talked about in terms of the number of reps our guys have had in games, uh, the number of guys we're playing. I think, I think we're in a pretty good place from that perspective. I mean, obviously, you'd always love to be totally healthy, and, and we're not that. Um, but I think we're, we're in a pretty good place. Um, I thought the guys did a really good job. The staff did a really good job of managing you know, the bye week reps as well because – you know, that's something that, you know, probably I didn't talk about when I got asked that question in the beginning is that's also one of the things you're trying to do in practice. You're, you're, you're managing the reps of the guys that have earned that. You know, a guy who's played a ton of football at Penn State, who's played a ton of football in terms of college football in general, uh, has played a bunch of reps for us this season. We, all those things kind of factor in, and then you kind of manage that uh, as well. So um, nothing nothing is, is changed uh, from an injury standpoint to, to address with you guys. Um, but I think we're, we're in a pretty good place. Um, the reality is we need to be in a good place going into this game, and we need to be in a good place coming out of this game as well. Over here on the left, Jared. Hey, Coach Franklin. Hey, Jared. Um, you mentioned that there's a lot of D linemen that you're impressed with. Uh, add that with the multi-layered defense you're facing. When you take all those things into consideration, does getting your run game going early take higher precedence than usual or not? Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say. Um, I wouldn't say either. I mean, as you guys know, we want to have the ability to run or pass um, in any game and in any given situation that's kind of how we view balance um and we want to continue to build on that um this game could look very different depending on how they decide to defend us we could throw it 50 times or we could rush it 50 times and that's who we want to be offensively we want to have the ability to to do what we need to do to win and manage the game and then on top of that um you know, I think when you talk about, you know, the opportunities for, for big plays coming in the run game, in the pass game, uh, I, I still believe those are, those are coming. But at the end of the day, we need to do what we need to do to win games um, and be able to take what the defense is giving. Bob? James, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm good. You mentioned Johnny Dixon at the start of uh, the news conference. Another guy that you got uh, via the transfer portal your Ivy Leaguer, uh, Hunter Nortad, just his impact the last two years being able to play multiple positions and to come from an FCS school to really thrive at this level. What do you think about that says about him? And he's he kind of a rare player in that respect to be able to make that jump and make it in a big way. Yeah, and I think he's he's done a really good job. I mean, culturally, he's been a great culture fit for us. Um really well respected in the locker room from the players, uh, from the staff. 
Um, I think him coming back this year was important for him and us. Um, you know, that was a decision that he needed to make. Um, and I think it was the right decision. And really, I think that's part of my responsibility, right? When a guy decides to come back, we got to make sure that it was the right decision for, for all parties involved. Um, and I think the way he's playing right now, um, his ability to play center and guard um, is, is extremely valuable. And uh, his approach, his maturity, um, gosh, you know, he's getting, a, he's getting an MBA right now from Penn State. When he's not in class, he's in the weight room, stretching, working on mobility, um, does a great job with his nutrition and hydration. He's just one of those guys that I think is a really good example of the importance of maturity uh, on your football team um, and has done a, done a phenomenal job. We've, we've been fortunate. You know, the guys that we've been able to get out of the Ivy League have, been, have, have done a really nice job for us. Um, great academic fits for us as well, obviously. They're guys that come here and thrive and usually end up getting, you know, some uh, um, some higher, you know, ed degrees in terms of master's degrees and things like that. Um, so he's been, he's been awesome. Uh, he really has. And I think when you have kind of a center um, that can be the quarterback of your offense and a left tackle like we have in Olu, that's a pretty good recipe for success at those two positions to start to build the rest of the pieces around. Um, and then obviously the experience that we have at right tackle and so on and so forth with Sal at guard, um, you know, that, that, that's an important piece, that, that center position. And Hunter's done a really good job of, uh, of really studying what we need to do up front and how we need to do it. So he's been awesome. Audrey? Hey, James. Um, Roger. Going back to when you hired Manny Diaz to now, um, what have you learned about Manny, the coordinator, but also Manny, the person? Because so many of your players have, have raved about him and what it means to kind of learn his defense and the way he explains it to them. Yeah, I, I think, you know, when you talk about intelligence, right, you're talking about people that can take complex uh, ideas um, and really be able to explain things in a way um, that whether it's the players or whoever else um, can receive that information in a way that, that makes sense. Um, and I think Manny's done a really good job of that with our defense uh, and specifically with our defensive players. Uh, I think it also helped. Um, that he's taking over a unit that had played good defense before. Um, and I think a lot of those things of how they were taught, Manny's bringing it in from maybe a, a slightly different perspective. Uh, and a lot of the, specifically the veterans in that room, I think have really appreciated looking at the game from a different lens. But I think the other thing that happens sometimes is when you're young, when you're young, you think there's one way to do things and be right and be successful. And the older that you get, and we all, we all do, you realize there's a lot of ways to be successful and a lot of ways to be right. I think it also is magnified that that room had a ton of respect for Brent Pry. So when he left, 
that was that was hard. I mean, that really uh, I think struck a lot of guys, um, you know, on our team, and then specifically on the defensive side of the ball with a lot of question marks. And then when you're able to go out and hire a guy like Manny, and he comes in, and right away is able to get up in front of the room and talk about how we're going to play defense and how we're going to build on that foundation. He was able to get buy-in right away. Um, and then in some ways and in some areas have, have has even taken it to another level. Um, so I think the veteran players, I think it's kind of like an aha moment for them um, and, a, and, a, and a real appreciation for it. So there's been a lot of growth there. Um, and I think we're playing, obviously, with a lot of confidence, and that stems back to, to Manny and the whole defensive staff. Uh, it also stems back to some of the conversations that we just had earlier about our corners and what our corners allow us to do defensively. Um, so, you know, in, in some ways, you know, I think about some of the turnover we've had on the staff, not just at the coordinator positions, um, with some guys that have been with me for a long time and were established guys around here. Um, that's why hiring and recruiting are two of the most important things you can do is get the right people in here uh, to, build, to build on the foundation and to build on those relationships. Uh, and then in terms of just, you know, as a person, you know, Manny and his wife, uh, and his sons, um, you know, it's just, it's been, it's been awesome. And the thing that probably has surprised me the most is how quickly he's been able to adjust here and hit the ground running. And like I said, when you have, you know, an experience like he went through and I call him literally, like I felt bad calling him like the next day. Um, but how quickly he and his family were able to transition here. Um, and really not miss a beat. You know, that's been, that's been really impressive. And then I think the last thing I would say is the value of, of his previous experience of being a head coach. You just look at the game differently after being a head coach. Um, and I think that's been really valuable. I think when you're an assistant, you have a lot of opinions on what you think you would do as a head coach, but having guys that have actually done it, there's, there's a ton of value in that. But he's also come back and just been one of the guys, you know. Um, and I think that defensive staff has got really good chemistry, um, and the players kind of see that and feel that as well. In the back, Andrew. Hey, Coach, back here. Andrew. Uh Last year, I don't remember if it was after Ohio State or Michigan, you had talked about the defensive line playing small. You had challenged those guys to something about them wanting to be um, playing, I forget who, but Aaron Donald, I think is who you compared them to. When you self-scout now over the last you know, two weeks, week or so, uh, do you feel better about where the interior defensive line is now as to opposed a year ago, specifically uh, size-wise? Yeah, very much so. Um, you know, very much so. Um, I think we are bigger um, across the board. Defensive end, we're bigger. Defensive tackle, we're bigger. We're bigger across the board. And part of that is just kind of the, the natural maturation process that, that happens for these guys. That's part of it. But I also think they've done a good job of emphasizing it uh, and putting the right weight on because we're not a weight 
for weight sake type of program. Like we want our guys to be lean and athletic, but more importantly, they're, they're playing, you know, in a way that they're so disruptive. Um, we're more consistently gap sound. We're more consistently disruptive. Um, I know Manny and Dion have been, have been very pleased um, you know, as we sit in there, I watch the, the game typically on the ride home on the plane, and then I watch it, you know, typically in the morning, and then I watch it with the defense. Um, and just hearing them, you know, talk about the defense and how we're playing, um, guys doing their job on a, on a consistent basis. So we are bigger uh, on the defensive line, which I think has been helpful because it, it, it is one of your tools, right? Strength is a tool. Speed is a tool. Intelligence is a tool. Quickness is a tool. Size is, these are all tools, and you want to make sure that you have as many of these tools on your tool belt as possible. Um, but they're also playing bigger in terms of being disruptive um, and being gap sound and doing their jobs on a consistent basis. And the thing that we spend a lot of time talking about, a lot of times, okay, you didn't make the play, but you, you caused the play. You created the play. You created an opportunity for somebody else for a tackle for loss by doing your job. You created an opportunity for a sack for somebody else by doing your job. Uh, so we spent a lot of time talking about that as well, and I think that's been one of the things that's been really cool is to see the guys embracing their roles and understanding if they just do their jobs on a consistent basis, the plays will naturally just find them. They'll come to them uh, rather than feeling like you have to make a play. That's, that's typically when, when problems happen. On the right, Tyler. Hey, James. How you doing? Hey, Tyler. Um, going to Zariah Fisher, he's obviously been a consistent member of this defense all season. Can you peel back the curtain a little bit for us in terms of what his path has looked like to this point? We didn't see much of him on the field at all last year. He was a linebacker when he first got to campus. Just curious from your perspective how he's gotten to where he is impacting games now. Aliquippa's finest. That's right. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big Zariah Fisher you know, fan. Um, as you mentioned, we recruit him. He's a linebacker and tight end. Um, Shows up here. We always kind of thought he had a chance to grow into a defensive end. Already had the size, uh, super long arms. Um, made that change, you know, kind of with with his blessing and, and support, and um, really started to do some great things. Then gets an injury, you know, a, a, a fairly significant injury. Misses some time for that. Um, and it just kind of continues to chip away at it and continues to get better and better and better, uh, both physically and mentally in terms of understanding how to play D-line. It was new to him, understanding the scheme. And he just – he's one of those guys, to me, that's a really good example for a lot of guys in the locker room. He's one of those guys that's just getting like 1% better, 1% better, 1% better. And it, it maybe doesn't jump out at you dramatically, um, but he just continues to get better. And now he's making plays for us and doing his job. Um, I think he's got a really bright future here at Penn State. And then, and then after that, um, 
to me is what is what everybody's looking for you know at defensive end he's got he's got the ability to be disruptive he's got the size he's got the length he's got the athleticism um he's had a smile on his face really since he's got here he's had some personal adversity and challenges and setbacks um probably more so than most um and just continues to find ways to be successful so i'm i'm really proud of him I'm really proud of him, and I think you'll see him continue to have a, a good year this year, and I think that's going to springboard him into really good things in his future. Time for two more in the back, T. Frank. Hey, James. How you doing today? Hey, T. Frank. Good, man. You? Uh, good. I, I want to ask you about balance again. You, you talked about what you think balance is earlier in this conversation. How many teams, just to put it in context of what you're pursuing, how many teams that have you coached? that have true balance and, or how many have you seen that have that level of balance that maybe you're pursuing this year? Yeah, I think, I think in terms of being able to run and pass, we have as good a balance as, you know, I think we've had and and maybe that I've been around. Um, Are there some areas of balance that, that, you know, we're probably still searching for? Yes. Um, but I, I think our ability to run or pass the ball is, is problematic. I do, I do believe that. Um, you look at it in short yardage. It shows up in short yardage. Right now we're able to throw in short yardage situations. We're able to run in short yardage situations. That makes you difficult to defend. Uh, people have to respect our running in short yardage situation. Um, our ability to to dictate a game in terms of how we run the ball against some really good defenses um, and not get away with it, not get get away from it and stay with it, um, I think has has been really good. And then our ability to throw for a high percentage and and protect the football has also been good. So I think I think we're in a good place. I think there's still room for growth there. Um, in terms of the, the total package and where we can go offensively. Um, but again, to your point, just the balance that we're able to exhibit on, on first and second down and even third down um, makes, you, makes you challenging to defend. And I also think it complements defensively when you talk about time of possession, them creating turnovers, and three and outs, and then our def- and then our offense controlling the ball and controlling the clock. You know, sometimes you just you're left with very little opportunities if you're on the opposing sideline, and that's that's frustrating, especially when when you have a lead. Last question, John. Hey, James, how are you? Good. How are you? Doing good. Uh, where would you say that the receivers and Drew's trust is at between each other at this point? And do you think that's important in taking the next step as an offense? Was that something that you know that you emphasized during the bye week? Yeah, I think I think it's it's um, it's a process, and I think you know we we have made progress this past week and have made progress this this season. I do think that's back to kind of a health perspective. I think that's where um, that's been probably impacted as much as anything is. You know, when you when you really had two guys that have played a ton of football for you at the receiver position, and and there being some consistency and trust in practice and in games with those guys, and then you lose one of them, um, you know, for for a couple of weeks, 
that that magnifies that. So, you know, being able to have Trey back and Keandre on the field while those other guys are developing, you know, those roles and those opportunities and that confidence, um, I think I think would be helpful. But I think getting Trey back is a huge piece of that puzzle. Um, I think it, it helps Keandre. I think it helps Drew. I think it helps um, our, our team. I think it helps our offense. I think it helps Coach Yersich and call in the game. Um, but I think that, that will really help us uh, having those two guys you know, both on the field at the same time. Thank you very much, Coach. Thanks, guys.